What we're going to look at tonight is serious reading, how, how to read sentences. Now remember, last week we talked about what is the big overarching plan we have for interpretation. First we go to their town. We see what did the Bible mean to the original audience. Then we look at how big the river is, how big is the is the divide, the cultural divide, the language divide, all the things that make for this river that separates their town, their time, from our town and our time. Then we, as we, as we grasp the meaning in their town, as we look at the breadth of the, of the chasm there is to overcome, to make an application, we develop the, the, the simplest and closest to original meaning theological principle. We find it's called the principalizing bridge. We use that bridge to go from their town across the bridge to our town, to the 21st century, Fort Smith, Arkansas, 2022, and we ask the question, how do we obey, follow, believe, trust in what God has shown through his eternal word as we bring the truth of God's word from whenever it was given originally, whether that's in the Torah and in Genesis or whether that's all the way in Revelation and the Go and the New Testament, how do we apply it? Now, in the next several weeks, we're going to talk about, okay, We've opened our Bible, we've gone to their town. Now, how do we figure out what it meant in their town? Where do we start? We start with the sentences. Have you ever gone into uh, to a new place? I don't know. Y'all, y'all may be extremely rule-minded. I, I am not so much. I, I am... Uh, I'm curious, it drives Susie nuts. If any of you are nurses in the medical profession, I apologize up front for fixing to say. But when we go to the doctor, a lot of times I'll go with Susie, or when the boys were little, we'd go with them. And you know how a lot of times they'll take you from the waiting room back to your exam room, and then you have to wait on the doctor. He's busy. He's working rounds. He's talking to a patient. He's taking notes and all that. And when I'm in there... They had those magazines, but usually the magazines are really old, and I've already read them, and, and are they about something I don't care about? But they have all these drawers and cabinets, and those just fascinate me. And I always wonder, and in my mind I'm thinking, if there was something really dangerous, they would lock it. So I will stand up, and I will start opening up the cabinets just to see, just to see what's in there. You never know. They may have, who knows? They may have a stash of candy bars. You just can't tell what could be there. And Susie will look at me and go, what are you doing? I said, I'm just looking around. I'm trying to kind of see what, you're not supposed to open that. There's no sign that says, I mean, I'm here. I'm going to pay good money for everything that happens in this room. I can at least look and see what's got. And so I will, and, and you can find all kind of fascinating things. I look at the details. It's an exam room. You come in, you look, you see there's this place that we sit. You sit in that chair. That chair is for sitting, not for opening. And and so we'll, we've had that debate over and over again. Sometimes you'll get a letter. I, the question becomes really, how, how do you read the Bible? What expectations do you have when you sit down to read the Bible? Do you think it's a treasure trove to be explored? Do you think it's, man, I've got to read my Bible. I told Lee I'd read the Bible every day, so I'm going to read the Bible. 
How do you come to your expectation? I, I would say you need to read the Bible like a love letter. By that, I don't mean that the Bible is just, I hear a lot of people say the Bible is a love letter, and lots of it are. It's a, it is a book to tell us about God and his plan because he loves us. Some of it is pretty hard stuff. Some of it is, is deep stuff. Some of it is shallow. Some of it is love stuff. It is, it is telling us, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There are, there are love forms in there, but it's like a love letter in this. Have you ever gotten, used to be we wrote them by hand. Y'all may get like text or emails or things like that now, more digital. But when you get written communication from your significant other, whether you're junior high and wondering or whether you've been married for 50 years, you read it differently than you read the spam in your inbox, don't you? You read it and you think, huh, I wonder what they meant by that. I wonder why they chose that. I wonder if they said that remembering back when, I mean, you read every word. Sometimes you'll read through it two or three times, especially if you're in the budding stages of a romance. You'll read that thing 50 times, almost memorize it, and you'll, you'll examine every word. If they wrote it by hand, you'll think, why, why did they dot the eye that? Why didn't they use the heart? I wonder, I wonder what that means, or they used the heart. I wonder what that means. I mean, you, just, you will drive yourself crazy, but you'll look at every single detail. Tonight, we're going to talk about how to look at sentences, the one, two verses at a time in Scripture in a passage like that, where you're, you're opening every drawer and you're looking deep. We've got nine tools to help us do that. All of them help us harness the power of observation. Sometimes just awareness, just looking to see what's there. It helps think of Jeff in a doctor's office, opening every drawer to see what's there. First thing to look for whenever you look at a, a sentence, a, 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 short, a short passage of Scripture, ask the question, is there repetition of words? Are words repeated? If words are repeated in Scripture, there's a reason. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Is there a repeated word in those two verses? What is the word? How many times? Four times, two verses. Do you think this is an important word in this section? Okay. Is it used the same way every time? Okay, twice it's describing who. Twice it is calling for or commanding what? Us. We are to be like God. How are we to be like God? God is holy. We are to be holy. So, so look and find. When you look for repetition of words, ask how many times is it repeated. The, your general rule of thumb is the more often it's repeated, the more important it is. Look at the wider context. I will show you here in a couple of weeks. Sometimes repetition carries on not just for a few verses or a sentence, but it carries on for an entire passage. When you look a little bit deeper, we'll look at Ephesians 1 at, at that a little bit later in the semester. But look at how it's repeated in the wider context, maybe of the book. If you're, if you're reading 
one of the epistles, and it's a fairly short book, you might look through even more. If you use a digital Bible, it is so fun to cheat. Just go to the find and look and type it in, then pull up the book, and you'll see every time it's repeated in that book. So you've got a, a, a built-in concordance. Is it always repeated the same way? Does it always mean the same thing? Is it always referring to the same person? Look and see, like with our passage, it's <coughs> an adjective, but it's used differently. It's used in two different ways. Does it utilize the same meaning each time it occurs? Occasionally, Scripture will use the same word, but it will change, it will change up just slightly the, the meaning or the, the go. A lot of play on words. Ask yourself, is that what's happening? Look for contrast. Contrast is where items, ideas, individuals are, are contrasted with one another. Proverbs 15.1 A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How do you, what's, what's being contrasted? Gentle and harsh, a gentle word and a soft answer. Okay? How do you know they're being contrasted? What, what's, your, what's the clue? But, yeah, whatever you, most of the time when you see the conjunction, but it means you're, you're fixing to have a, a contrast or a comparison of some kind. Once, you were once darkness, but now you're the light of the world. What's being contrasted? Darkness and light, our, our state before Christ, our state after Christ. How do we know there's a contrast? Conjunction, but. Words that signal contrast. Okay, but signals. What are other words that signal there's a contrast going in? Hmm? Or? Uh, however, yeah. What ideas, whenever you, when you see a contrast, usually the contrast is right there. It's just verse and verse. It's the same sentence or same phrase. Occasionally a contrast will be a little bit broader. You see a little bit, a little bit wider, maybe a paragraph, the beginning and the end. Ask the question, what ideas or what individuals or what items, what's being contrasted? Generally speaking, God will contrast good Evil, right, wrong. Look for comparisons. Comparisons are items, ideas, individuals that are being compared to one another. They're, 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 they're similar. I love this. Proverbs 25, 26. Like a muddied spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. What are being compared to who? Ah, the righteous and the wicked are being compared a little bit, but what are the what, what are the righteous, the righteous who behave wickedly are being compared to something? What are what are what are righteous people or people that are supposed to be good people who behave badly? What are they compared to? Polluted well, a muddied spring. Yeah, okay, now. How how does that compare? That comparison works on a couple of levels. A well and a spring are supposed to have what? Fresh water. Good way. When you see a well on a hot summer's day, you see a hydro, you're supposed to think, ah, oh, relief. 
in the days before bottled water and Fuji water and all that stuff, used to be you'd go out and you'd, you'd pop a hybrid or something, and man, usually what would gush out would be cold, clear water. Filled with fluoride by the city to protect your teeth, and you could just drink it to your heart's content. Every once in a while, especially when we were out like at a practice field or something, and it was it was two a day, so it was the end of August. It'd been all summer long before anybody did anything. You crank that pump the first time, and what spews out? Hot water, and it's not just hot. It's it's kind of an orange, algae-looking color. So, man, you leave that thing going until it flushes out. All the, I, I realize it's not sanitary, and you would never do this in the 21st century. But you used to we just turn it on, we leave it on for about five minutes until all the hot and all the nasty came out, and it was coming out clear. And when it came out clear, you thought, city water, it's got to be safe. And away you drink. And you do that well. But whenever you go somewhere and what you expected to be clean and pure and nice, have you ever gone like to a stream? got ready to reach down and thought, man, this is coming straight out of the mountain. It's going to be so good. And when you lean over, you look down, and there's a dead critter in the bottom of what is supposed to be your, your pristine mountain stream. Nothing like a dead possum could just totally turn you off. Yeah, it's just messed up, isn't it? That's what he's saying. He's, he's comparing a righteous man to what should be pure. And it's, it's the same because when the righteous does evil, it's like a spring that promises life and delivers death. Look at the ideas of individuals. Look at the similarities that are being drawn upon. Look for lists. When you observe two or more itemized things, it's a list. If there's three or more, it's a big list. Sometimes you get giant lists. Sometimes with genealogies, you get super-duper giant lists. God heard their groaning. He remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What is the list? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the, the first three patriarchs. How is it listed? Is it alphabetical? Actually, it is alphabetical, but that's not how it's listed. How is it listed? Chronologically, who came first? See, the smart alecky answer is there's always one. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look at a list and ask the question. And here's the next one. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many, how many items in the list? Okay. Sometimes you ask the question, are the items in the list, how many, what are they? Is there any significance to how they're grouped? Look back. Do you all see any significance to how those are grouped? Yeah, I would say as a general, as a, another, just a general rule, when you see lists in Scripture in the New Testament, in Greek, whenever there were lists, the, the first word in the list and the last word in the list are being emphasized. And the first word is usually being emphasized more. My personal interpretation on this passage, I think it's the fruit of the Spirit, singular, notice that, is love. Then I think 
ideally you would have a colon, and then the other eight are attributes of love that flow out of a spirit-filled life. I, that's a whole sermon. I won't go into it now. Some commentaries will look and will group love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control as, as little triads, and then talk about how the three were three. Some really, I think they get a little bit off on thin ice. Some talk about this is Trinitarian, and you know it's Trinitarian because there's three things. One talks about Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I, I think they're seeing way too much. But you look and ask the question, do I see anything that looks like it's there? And if you do, observe it, write it down, and ask the question, where can I go to see if I'm crazy or not? I'll tell you another good I We'll get to commentaries and things like that later. Always start with just what you see in Scripture. But if you see something and you think, no one's ever seen that before, chances are good in 2,000 years, if you were the first Christian to ever see it, you're wrong. I, I, I'm just telling you, there have been, a, for 2,000 years, godly men and women have poured over Scripture and as you look and study, if no one has ever seen what you see, give it a double, you know, give it a real little clutch and double check. Now, sometimes you'll discover, most of the time you'll discover when they do things like that, there will be two, three, maybe, maybe sometimes four good options that they say, you know, these could all be these things, and you have to kind of discern and pray through what you think is being emphasized. Rarely changes meaning. But look at significance or how they're grouped. Look for cause and effect items. Cause and effect is fun. Cause and effect. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh answer stirs up anger. What's the cause? There's two cause and effects here. What's the, what is the cause? Anger, wrath, anger is the result. What causes wrath or anger? Yeah, a, a harsh a harsh word, you come on and say, I am so sick and tired of you just laying around and putting your leg up on a chair. And da -da. If I start like that, somebody's getting mad, okay? Either he's getting mad or his daddy's getting mad saying, what are you doing yelling at my boy? But somebody, a harsh answer is going to do it. Now, you, you're fine. I could care less. What does a gentle answer do? What does the kind word do? Somebody comes up and you're just mad as can be. Have you ever started just being frustrated like at a, at a store or a checkout line or something and you're, by the time you get to the front, you're mad. I can't believe it's taking off. And you just start griping. If the clerk looks and says, I am so sorry. We just had a lot of trouble today. And, you know, and if she's being kind and sweet, it takes me about a half second to start feeling like a jerk. And I just start turning down any frustration I have because it's a nice lady and I'm just being a jerk. But if she comes back and says, well, you fat old man, you should have just, I mean, if she comes back hard, guess what? There is no tip. I'm not even sure if I'm going to pay for it. I may just walk out and let her put it all back up. Cause and effect. Sometimes Scripture tells us there's cause and effect. Sometimes it tells us cause and effect that's eternal. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is the effect of sin? Sin is the cause. What is the effect? Death. The gift of God in Christ is the cause. Christ's death is the cause. What is the effect? 
life, eternal life. Cause and effect. Cause and effect. Does the cause have more than one effect? Or does the cause have one effect or more than one effect? Have you clearly labeled the cause and effect? You've got to be careful. Sometimes if you're not careful, you can you can look and say, this is what's causing this. You ever done that? It's a, the classic line is that uh, correlation is not causation. And just because you see something doesn't mean that something you see was caused by something else you saw. If you, if you wake up every morning and your alarm goes off and it's raining and you go to Seattle, you may get up and say, my alarm clock brings rain. Probably not. Probably moving to Seattle brought rain. Figures of speech. When images are communicated with words that are being used in a sense other than their normal, literal sense. Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. What is the figure of speech? What's being used in a way that's not the normal way it would be used? Lamp, light. Okay? Why is that not the normal way it's being used? It's being used to describe how the Bible, how the Word of God works in our lives. So the Bible is being compared to a light in darkness that it lets us see more clearly. Figure of speech. I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God has been making it grow. Is this talking about heirloom tomatoes on the back porch? Could be, we don't have the context, but when we look at the wider context of this passage, what is what's being described here? The gospel is being described. He's saying, Paul planted the seed of the gospel. Apollos watered that seed as he explained and expounded on it. But God is the one who causes that seed to grow into conviction and repentance in the life of the believer. What word or phrase is being used in a sense other than its normal sense? So if you see something, you think, you know what, I think that may be a figure of speech. Ask yourself, well, what, what do I think is being used that way? Conjunction. Are any of y'all old enough to remember Schoolhouse Rock? Function. I love that song. That was the most fun. I would sing it for you, but again, you don't want to hear that happen. Okay. Romans 6.23. What are the conjunctions in Romans 6.23? For, but, of, of, in, those are all conjunctions. When you see a conjunction, you want to ask, what's your function? I lost it. Okay. What? Of is tying wages and sin, but is showing that there's a contrast. Gift of God, the gift is being tied or connected to God. It's being eternal life is being found in or is being connected to Christ. 
Conjunctions will usually join or contrast or identify. Same thing. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dear, therefore is a conjunction. It means you're going to have to go back and look in the previous passage. And, with, and conjunction connects, contrasts, concludes. They, they do some other things, but primarily that's what you'll see conjunctions doing in Scripture. Verbs communicate the action of a sentence. See if you can identify all the verbs in this one. Raise, set, is, seated, okay, how about this one, stay, live, yep, will not gratify, You're looking at verbs. This is where finally sophomore English makes sense. I don't know if it's still sophomore English, but we learned grammar heavy in sophomore English. Ask what is the tense? Is it present, past, future, perfect? Hmm? You don't notice yet? Yeah, that's okay. You can, get a, you can get a head start. You can go into your sophomore year with your teacher thinking, he's brilliant. Why is he so brilliant? Because he does his Bible reading and study. Yeah. Ask the voice. Is it active or passive? Is the verb an imperative? An imperative means it's a command. Are you being told to do something? Who's the subject of the verb? Does the verb have a direct object or an indirect object? The, the diagramming stuff, that's where you begin to look and ask, how is, this, how is this verb being used? Pronouns. Pronouns take the place of nouns. Praise be to the God and Father of our. Our is a pronoun. Third person, who, who's our talking about? Us, about believers, Paul and, and the believers that he was writing to at Ephesus. Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us? Who? It's a pronoun. Who is who talking about? Is who talking about the Father or is who talking about Jesus in this instance? The Father. Who said that? Look at you. Not even a sophomore. Who has blessed us, he's talking about us again, in the heavenly realms with spiritual blessings in Christ. Pronouns are is the antecedent. It means it's the substitute word or the nickname for somebody. The antecedent is that somebody. Is it personal or possessive? Is it first, second, or third person? First person is me. Second person is you. Third person is them. Singular or plural? Faith. When you take a sentence, 
this, this is going to show you, don't worry, I know that it's not nearly big enough to read, but you've got a slide that has it on there, and you've got it in a big thing, and the picture's just going to get. When you follow those steps, you can choose, if you do, like Bible study fellowship, some, some Bible study methods will tell you like what to do with pronouns, like circle this, underline that, highlight this, bracket that. Be real honest, you can come up with your own whatever. Here's something that's just a little food for thought. If you decide to underline verbs, always underline the verbs. If you decide to circle commands or conjunctions or whatever, always circle them. If you'll be consistent, it's so much easier when you go back and look to see what it was you saw if it's the same thing, because if you underline verbs in one verse and you circle them in the other verse, if you use highlighters or highlighting functions on your app, it's really good if you're going to do that to go ahead and pick the same color for like everything you're doing. I say this as someone who didn't always do that. I would do whatever I happen to have at the time, and occasionally I'll go back and say, I got to look at this whole thing again because I don't know what I did. So you're going to do that. This, this is Romans. Chapter 12, now, we're going to pass out, this is the time, we're going to pass out some handouts. Here's what I want you to do. Break into small groups on the first one, yeah, Romans 12, y'all work on it. What, there's, a, there's a list that reminds you of all this stuff we just looked at, and you've got the PowerPoint slides if you really want to dig deep. I want you to take a couple of minutes. We'll give you, it is, oh, come on. watch keeps going to a funny thing. Okay, it's 7.05. I'm going to give y'all 10 minutes. Just a second. Once everybody has their stuff, I'm going to give you 10 minutes. I want you to go through and do that. Look for lists, look for underlines, circle conjunctions. Just come up with your own formula. Don't look at the already done one yet. You do it as best you can in a small group, groups of like, say, four or five maybe, and a uh, grouped up, work with each other, and go through and see if you can identify. And then when I call time, we'll flip it back over and we'll look and see if you saw most of the things that they used in the samples. Don't worry if you don't see everything. Be kind of impressed if you find something or see something that they missed. But we're going to look at that, divide it out, and then you have several more. We'll do that if you have a question. Just shoot a hand up, and I will come find you, okay? Does everybody have, does she, everybody see the, the Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2? Look at the one that doesn't already have writing on it. Look at the one that's blank. It's on the back. I know, you got to be careful. Yeah, I do front and back. Take a look. You can take the little, that little list of the things that we summarized and start going through and just remember what we said to do with them and go through and look. I will, I'll tell you, every one of the little tools that we use to help you observe, they don't all show up in every verse you look at. Usually there will be anywhere from three to four somethings to kind of dig in on. Look and do and just look. Just see how much you can observe using these tools. Ready? I'll give you 10 minutes and I'll break it. So let's go.
There's, there's the 10-minute bell. I know you may not have gotten done. Let's look. If you look on the page that has the, the little summary of what you look at, on the back of that, you know how in your old math books you could go to the back of the book and it had the answers? This is kind of like that. This is your one sheet that you can go to the back of the, of the repetition stuff and you can see the answers. Let's look. Start with the first line. How many of you, when you were doing pronouns, noticed the therefore? Yeah, pronoun, therefore. That means we've got to connect back. In this case, it's connecting back to the first 11 chapters of Romans and how, what Romans had laid out for that. Oh, there's a pronoun, I. Oh, I gave you a different translation, didn't I? I gave you CSB. Oh, man. See, I know I should have done that. There are a lot of similarities. Okay. It's just flipped a little bit. There's an I in there somewhere. Okay. What tell me, what did y'all what did y'all notice? What were the things that you 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 saw in this passage? Any of you find a list? Good, pleasing, and perfect. What is that a list talking about? What is good, what is pleasing, what is perfect? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's talking about the will of God. It's describing the will of God is good, pleasing, and perfect if, and we will be transformed if we follow it. Okay? The contrast is do not conform, but be transformed. Whenever we talk about that as a as a comparing as a contrast, okay, to be conformed. Any of y'all when you were in preschool, did y'all ever play with Play-Doh? I got a I've got a five-year-old granddaughter right now. Play-Doh's a big thing. Play-Doh and kinetic sand. Kinetic sand is so cool. It's messy as all get out, but it's so cool. Why? Because you can you can take anything out of the cupboard. I get in trouble sometimes for the anything out of the cupboard bit, but, but anything in the cupboard will go across Play-Doh or kinetic sand, and it will it'll make it look just like that. And if you have those little those little cutter things for Play-Doh, you can make butterflies, you can make flowers, you can make all kinds of stuff, huh? I am. I mean, hey, I will bring you my art next week and show you what I've done. But when when pressure comes in, you can conform things to make them look like, in this case, the world or culture. Or a thing can be transformed in just a little bit, and it's going to be old enough for me to start showing her science experiments. My favorite, and I know this is, this is a terrible probably thing, but have y'all ever done the Coke and Mentos thing? Diet Coke and Mentos. Y'all have any idea how much fun that is? You just drop a little sleeve down in there, and all of a sudden, what? Whoosh! It is transformed. It goes from being a mediocre diet soda to being this beautiful, gushing fountain of entertainment. Yeah. And if you get into the really cool stuff, you know, where you, like, drop water on stuff that's been compressed down, and all of a sudden, it opens up. Transforming stuff is new. 
the Bible says that instead of being pressured and conformed to the world, we are to be what? We're to be transformed by the catalyst of the Holy Spirit in our life. And it will produce what we talked about earlier, all those fruits of the Spirit. Okay, what else did we see? What are some examples of the figures of speech? Yeah, your body, yeah, we're a living sacrifice. The figure of speech does not mean, yeah. The, yeah, the patterns, yeah, that's a good one. The renewing of our minds. We'll be able to do what? We'll be able to test. We'll, we'll be able to see. There's some verbs in there. In this case, test is a verb. We're, we're testing, we're doing something. Okay, now, you got one more that I want you to do kind of together tonight, and then I gave you those others. And I, When I do these exercises, the reason I copied and pasted, I like large print, and I like big, I triple space, so you got lots of room to mark and write and mess with. If you have a digital Bible on your computer or, or software somewhere where you can do this the copy and paste, it is easy as pie. Years ago, I started school, and I, I went to a lot of school before computers. I got my first computer my senior year of college. It was incredible, y'all. It was 56K. That was high, that was high end back in the day. Hey, we didn't have floppy, buddy. It was just, yeah, and you know what? You put one in, and it, and it put in the operating system, the DOS. And then you pulled it out, and then you could do programs. Yeah, that was the next disk you put in. I know, it's just crazy. Oh, man, you really are old. I had calculators. In the third grade, they came out, and I thought Texas Instrument was incredible because you could spell words on a Texas Instrument calculator. Okay, we, we, di we digress. If you need to write it out, it's also really it's good and useful. You can take a piece of paper and just write out. I usually do it in print. And give yourself space to do this. I want you to look through, and on the second page you'll know, you'll have a page that has Acts 1-8, and then it says make 30 observations. Here's what we're going to do, because we've got, we've, got uh, we've got some other activities and applications we want to do tonight. But I'm going to give you all, I'm going to give you all, I'll give you another 10 minutes. In 10 minutes, see if your group can identify or can make 30 distinct observations about Acts chapter 1, verse 8. 30 distinct observations about Acts 1, 8. Look, use, use all the tools you have. Just use your, your eyes and your mind. But try to list out 30. We're going to see who can have the most observation in 10 minutes starting now.